I don't know whether you realize this or not, but you all are spoiled. That's what I thought of yesterday. You have gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. You have gone from greatness to greatness. You do not know the pain that most of us have experienced. I'm from Northeast Ohio originally, and I am a Cleveland Browns fan. And for a number of years, we had no quarterback whatsoever. And the idea that you guys went straight from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer and complain about a couple seasons where there was an injury and you experienced losing a couple games, uh, that's what stuck out in my mind last night. And as I am a Browns fan, in light of what's going to happen today at 2 in the afternoon when we play the Kansas City Chiefs, I'd invite us all just to pause for a minute uh, for prayer, and because um, we're going to need it, and uh, I'm encouraging you all now to join me. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to need it. Like I said, I'm a Browns fan, and a few years ago, I had the opportunity in Peyton Manning's last season to go watch Peyton Manning play in person. He, uh, he was with the Broncos, and they were playing the Browns, and in typical Browns fashion, they had the lead, and then Peyton Manning orchestrated a comeback, and the Browns lost the game. Uh, but with, with all due respect to Favre and Rodgers, for my money, uh, Peyton Manning is still the greatest I've ever gotten to see uh, play the game of football. He was just phenomenal. And after the game, Brooklyn and I went, along with my sister and her husband, after the game, we decided we would go to a restaurant and just hang out for a little bit. So we went to a restaurant in Cleveland that looked good, and I went to get into the restaurant, and I pulled on the door, and the door was locked. But the sign said open, and I could see there were people inside, so it wasn't just a private party, but I tugged on the door again, and it would not budge. It was locked, and I looked up, and it said emergency exit only. So we're looking all around, and we can't find the entrance to the restaurant. And here you had to go past the restaurant down an alleyway, and that was the main entrance to the restaurant. Why it was laid out that way, I have no idea. But we eventually found the restaurant. We went, went in, and we got seated, and the hostess took us to a table right by the emergency exit door. I'm not sure if it's because she was standing there laughing at us as I tried to get in or whether or not that was just a coincidence. But nevertheless, the, the four of us were seated at a table right next to the emergency exit door, and it was made so I had to look at the emergency exit door during the entire meal. After about 10 minutes, when we were still talking and deciding what we wanted to eat, I heard a thud. And I looked up, and there was somebody else trying to get in the emergency exit, which made me feel better. And then I did a double take. I looked, and I said, Brooklyn, that's Nicolas Cage, the actor from National Treasure and The Rock and all kinds of great movies from late 90s to early 2000s. Here, it was actor Nicolas Cage with his youngest son. And I said, I've got to go tell him how to get in the restaurant. And while I'm doing that, I can talk to him about Elvis. What you may not know about about Nicolas Cage is he's he's a giant Elvis fan. Well, that makes two of us. Because for my money, Elvis is the greatest entertainer ever. I am a huge Elvis fan. Drug Brooke to Graceland did the whole tour. I love Elvis. Love Elvis. And Nicolas Cage is a giant Elvis fan. So much so that he married Lisa Marie for a while. And I'm like, do you know what? that means and Brooke just looks at me I'm like Brooke 
That means he's probably made it upstairs to Graceland. If you've never been to Graceland where Elvis lived, you can tour the whole house except the upstairs. That's where Elvis's bedroom was, and he would never allow guests to go upstairs. But if you marry Lisa Marie, I'm pretty sure you're allowed to go upstairs at Graceland. And I'm like, Brooke, I have to go let him know how to get in the restaurant and to talk to him about Elvis. She's like, no. I'm like, what? She looks at me and she said, what makes you think Nicolas Cage wants to talk to some random guy about his ex-wife's father while he's with his son? To which I replied, why wouldn't he? And I stood up and she said, sit down. No. And I decided that day I would save my marriage. And so I sat down and there I lost my one and only chance, I'm sure in my entire life, to talk to Nicolas Cage about Elvis to see if he's made it upstairs at Graceland and have an amazing conversation with him all about Elvis. Why? Because Nicolas Cage and I both tried to use the wrong door and we couldn't figure out how to get in the restaurant. This morning, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in John 10. So if you have your phones or your tablets, I'd invite you to follow along with us there in the Bible app. It's a free app, and it's a resource we'd highly encourage you to use. Once it's downloaded on your tablet or device, you can go into the event feature of the Bible app and either enable your locations or type in the zip code 54201, and their Lakeside Community Church will pop up, and you can interact with our service there within the Bible app this morning. But we're going to see that Jesus uses an analogy of himself today as he is the door. And it's all tied in to this idea of sheep and shepherding and safety and security. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in John 10, where we start in verse 1, where we read these words. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So Jesus uses this analogy of shepherding. It was, an, it was a farming society, an agrarian society. So of the vast number of people who were hearing the words of Jesus were, were very aware of all the details that go on with shepherding and raising sheep and everything around that. Sheep are kept in a pen. That pen had a gate. And so that is, that is the analogy that Jesus uses here. Sheep within that pen have a safe and secure environment. They're safe and they're secure. They're protected within the sheep pen. It's, it, there's a lot of predators that want to hunt sheep. Sheep are not vicious defenders of themselves. And so as there's a lot of predators, sheep need a place of safety and security. The sheep pen is that. It's a place of safety and security. They have restrictions built around them. There's there's walls. There's a door. And we see this, and what we also see right off the bat is that there's a villain. There's a dichotomy drawn for us right off the start. That there is the safety and security that the sheep pen offers the sheep, but there is also a villain. There is one who is there is one who is just determined to destroy that safety and that security. He wants to he wants to interrupt that, and the goal of the villain is to disrupt the safety and to steal the sheep. 
Jesus goes on in verses 2 and 3. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So we've already seen that the villain's introduced and the difference between the sheep pen and the villain, but now the contrast is even further developed by Jesus. And now we have this contrast of the thief who sneaks in and tries to steal versus that of the shepherd, whose job it is is to protect the sheep. And what does the shepherd do? He doesn't have to try to sneak into the sheep pen. The shepherd enters through the door. He enters in the proper way. And what? how did the sheep respond. He speaks to the sheep and they recognize him. He speaks to the sheep and they recognize him and he calls them by name. Now, is it is it possible that God just that Jesus just uses this idea to further develop the story that the shepherd speaks to the sheep and he knows the sheep by name. Is it possible that Jesus just uses this to further develop the story? What we're going to see is that Jesus is intimately involved with every detail of this story. And every part of this story is purposeful. And we know elsewhere from Scripture just how intimately God knows us. We know elsewhere in Scripture that God knows the literal number of hairs that we have on our head. Now for some of us, That's not that impressive. But for the vast majority of us who still have hair, that is really an incredible feat when you think about the fact that God knows the exact number of hairs that each of us have on our heads. This is how intimately God knows us, that He knows our name. He knows every detail about our lives, that the creator of the universe is intimately involved with every aspect of our world and of our life, that he knows us by our name, that we have intrinsic worth and intrinsic value to the God of this universe and our creator. And maybe as a result of all the craziness that's gone on in the past year, and maybe from having to be more socially distant from people, you've lost that connection, and maybe you're just starting to ask yourself some questions about your life, and you're starting to wonder, am I significant? Do I really matter? And in an age which will tell you that your significance and how important you are is derived by how many people will retweet you, and how many follows you have, and how many likes and comments and shares you get, and an age that will tell you that's where you need to find all of your significance, we are given a different picture. And what we are told is that the God of this universe is intimately aware and concerned with every detail of our lives and of our existence. And so don't you dare for a second question whether or not you matter. Don't you dare for a second question whether or not you can make a difference. The God of this universe is intimately aware of and involved in your life. You matter to God. So don't ever question and ever wonder, am am I really significant? Do, Do I matter? You matter to God. And the greatest thing, the greatest thing that God wants to do in your life is not achieve some massive movement or have everybody tell you how great something you accomplished is. 
The greatest thing that God wants to do in your life is to love you and have your life transformed by Him. The greatest work that God wants to do in our lives is to love us, have us known we are loved by God, and to transform us so that our lives look more and more like Jesus. I just want to encourage you in a, in a time where you might question, am I important? Do I matter? Is, is my life significant? The answer is absolutely, because you have immense value and you matter to our Creator to the point that He knows every intimate detail about you and He knows you by your name. And He leads them. He leads them. Verse 4 goes on to say, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So we see this, we see this, this role of Jesus now. We see this role of Jesus as the shepherd, and what's his role? His role is to lead the sheep. His role is to lead the sheep. Now, as a leader, understand that there is risk involved. You're putting yourself out front. You're putting yourself out there. You are leading the way. You are having to, you're having to look and to see all of the dangers, and you're having to come up with the plan. And Jesus says he is our leader, that he is prepared to lead the way for us. And the sheep do what? How do they respond to that leading? Well, they follow the leader. And sometimes the leader takes the sheep places they don't want to go because the journey may seem hard, but the leader knows it is what's best for the sheep. The leader leads. The sheep, they follow. I think it's fascinating that Jesus uses, uses this picture of sheep, which anybody who's raised sheep or spent any time around sheep will tell you, sheep are really dumb. They're really stupid. And God uses that picture for us. He says, I'm the leader in the sheep. But what do the sheep do? They follow him. They follow the leader. Why do they follow the leader? Because they know his voice. Because they know his voice. And this is why it is absolutely essential for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus and follow him, and, and even those who, who haven't yet made the decision to follow Jesus, but who are on the fence and who are legitimately searching and legitimately trying to figure out what they believe about Jesus and, and where they fall on that spectrum and in that line, that is why it is absolutely essential for us to be engaged with Scripture because Scripture communicates the heart of God. It communicates the heart of God. And in a world where we are inundated with messaging, in a world where we are inundated with messages, we must make sure that all that we hear, that all that we hear is seen through a lens and through the lens of eternal truth. And that is why it is absolutely imperative for those who follow Jesus and those who are legitimately searching and trying to decipher what you personally believe about Jesus and where you fall on the faith spectrum, that is why it is absolutely essential for you to be engaged with Scripture. It communicates to us the heart of God. That's why we encourage you all the time to download the Bible app and 
Maybe you don't know where to get started or, or what to do. And if that's you and you don't know where to get started or what to do, I'd encourage you, just utilize the verse of the day feature. You can even set your notifications on your phone or your device so that they will automatically send you a verse of the day. And when it pops up, I'd encourage you to read it, to think about it for a couple minutes, to reread it. And to just start to file that away and to allow the work of God through Scripture to work on your heart and to work on your life and to see a difference that that makes. And after you've, after you've started to implement that practice of being engaged with Scripture, then take it as next step. And maybe you move from that to a paragraph or a chapter a day, but then you start to think through for a little bit longer. But it is imperative that we are interacting with Scripture in the heart of God. And maybe you're like, I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know where to start. I don't know what this meant. And I just want to encourage you, we're here for you. We're here for you in every step of your spiritual journey. So if there's a way that we can help you get engaged with Scripture, or if you engage something with Scripture, and you're like, I don't understand what that means and the implications of that, and how do I sort this out? Well, we're here to help. Send us an email. It's not bothering us. That's why we're here. We are here to serve you in your spiritual journey. Email me anytime. It's Brian with an I at lakeside-church.com. And any step we can take to help you in your spiritual journey, we are here for. But it is absolutely imperative that for those who follow Jesus and who are searching and really want to decipher what Jesus is all about to get in touch with the heart of God. And that is revealed to us through Scripture. Now, maybe... Maybe you say, I love books, I love to read, I'm just not somebody who can read well on a Nook or a Kindle or a tablet. And I understand there's all kinds of people out there who feel that way. There's just something about having the book in your hands that you prefer, and you, it allows you to take notes, it allows you to highlight things. You just prefer to take in your information that way as opposed to a digital platform. I understand that entirely. And I just want to encourage you, and this isn't something we say every week, but it's good every week. If you don't have a Bible and you are somebody who likes to read that way, and you don't like to read on a tablet or a device, you like to have the actual book. If you don't have a Bible and you want to engage with Scripture, let us know. And our gift to you is a Bible. We'll, you'll leave here today with it. Just let us know you want one, and that's our gift to you. It's not stamped property of Lakeside Community Church or anything like that, so you don't have to feel like a thief every time you read it. It's just our gift to you, and it's yours to take home and to engage because we want you to engage with the heart of God. And that's revealed to us in Scripture. And what does that enable us to do? It enables us to know the voice of God so that when we are inundated with all kinds of messages and philosophies and ideas, we can stack those up against the eternal truths of Scripture. That's why it's absolutely essential and imperative. And Jesus goes on, A stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice, the voice of strangers. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The sheep will not follow a stranger because they don't know his voice. But understand what this means. Understand what this means. The sheep won't follow the stranger, but that doesn't mean the stranger isn't going to try. And the stranger is going to try. The stranger is going to try to tell the sheep, come here, come follow me, come listen to me, forget the voice of the shepherd, come do this. 
In a day and an age where there's all kinds of opportunities to be told that do whatever you want, do whatever brings you fulfillment, do whatever brings you joy, do whatever brings you peace, do whatever makes you feel good. There's no shortage of messaging out there. But that is why, again, it's imperative for those of us who follow Jesus to be in tune with Scripture so that we are in tune with the truth and we can decipher the truth from the lies and we can run from the lies and we can cling to the truth because the lies are going to be plentiful and they're going to be out there. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he's saying to them. So they didn't understand what Jesus was getting at. They didn't understand his messaging. So we continue. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Jesus says, I'm the path. Jesus says, I'm the way. In terms of salvation, Jesus says, I'm it. And in in an age and in a culture that wants to accept everything, this is highly offensive. And you may not like it. And I may not like it. I'm just here to tell you, it doesn't matter what we like. We don't get to to create the standard. God creates the standard. And Jesus here has a message of exclusivity. And he says, I am the path. I am the way. I'm it. Jesus says, I'm it. I'm all there is. This is an an incredibly exclusive message that Jesus says. He says, I am the only way. I am the only path. I'm it. There is no other way. And there are liars. There are liars who came before me promising salvation, Jesus says. There are liars who came before me promising salvation. But the true followers of God, the true followers of Jesus, were not swayed by all of those lies. They were not swayed by all of those things that sounded maybe good or appealing on the surface. They were not swayed by any of that, Jesus says. Why? Because they know the voice. And they follow that voice. They were discerning. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And Jesus brings it all home now. He brings all the points home. And what he says is, Jesus says, I am your salvation. I am your salvation. Jesus is our salvation. He is our only hope. He is the only way. It's an exclusive message, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but it is the truth that Jesus is the only path to God. It's a message of exclusivity, that Jesus is our salvation. But what else does Jesus tell us here? Not only is he our salvation, but Jesus is our security. Jesus is our security. And in a year which everything which people would cling to to make us feel secure, whether it's our finances or our achievements or our health or whatever the case may be, and in a year in which everything that people would cling to that made us feel secure, when, when it's all been stripped from us, this is a sobering and yet hopeful reminder for all of us that Jesus is our security. 
He will never be taken from us. He will never be taken away. And Jesus is our sustainer. In the pasture was plenty, was plenty for the sheep to lay down, to eat, to rest, to refuel, to recharge, to re-energize. That they were sustained in the security of the sheep pen. So Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our security. And Jesus is our sustainer. But the thief, the thief, the enemy, the thief is a murderer, a thief, and a destroyer. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is the distinction between the work of the shepherd and the work of the thief. And the thief never approaches us and says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take everything from you. And I'm going to destroy you. That's not the M.O. of the thief. The thief comes and the thief promises us something better. The thief promises us more fulfillment. The thief promises us more joy. The thief promises us a greater high. The thief promises us a better feeling. And he hides his purpose, which is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And maybe you've bought into the lie. And maybe it's been for a while. And all of a sudden, that fulfillment which you felt at first is gone. That joy which you were promised, you've seen to be an empty promise. And the feeling is nothing but regret. The high is no longer able to get you to that feeling. And now it's an addiction. There is no peace. You bought the lie and now you've seen the true nature of the enemy. That what was once promised as being so good has turned empty. And you are empty. And he's winning. Because he's stolen your joy. And he's on his way to destroying you. And you don't know where to turn. And you don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you. It's not too late. You're never too far gone for God to love you. There's nothing you could do that God couldn't forgive. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to walk through this journey alone. We are here for you. We are here to walk beside you. We are here to help you. That's our role and that's our responsibility. And so at the end of the service, I just want to encourage you, Gordy and Jen Crow, who have a background in counseling and who 
offer, and this is something that's offered to everybody in the Lakeside family. We offer free counseling to everybody who's part of the Lakeside family. It's not something that we advertise every single week, but it's good all the time. And they have a background in counseling, and their heart is to walk beside people and to help people through the hardships of this world. That we could walk beside you as a church and help you find grace and forgiveness and to remind you that yes, you're going to be inundated with messages that say there is a better way than God's way. But every single time we pursue those, it leads to to being victims of theft, destruction. Because the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And ultimately, every single time, no matter how good it was when it started, no matter how good it felt when it started, every single time we go to the voice of the thief instead of the voice of the shepherd, we end up at a place where we experience the true nature of the thief to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Maybe some of you are right there right now. Or maybe you're not there yet. And maybe you're still at the point where it feels good. And it does feel better. But in your heart, you know. In your heart, you know the truth. And in your heart, you know it's wrong. But it still feels good. I am begging you. I am begging you. Let us walk with you on that journey. Don't you dare think for a minute, well, if I'm honest with them, then I'm just going to be judged. If I'm honest with them, that it feels really good. And No, 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 no. Understand this. Every single one of us, every single one of us here has needed grace. Every single one of us has needed to be transformed by God. And there is nothing you could be struggling with, nothing that God cannot forgive, that we do not want to walk through with you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the last encouragement I want to give you is this. Don't you dare think for a minute that the enemy, that Satan only wins when he's destroyed you. It's enough for him just to distract you. It's enough for him just to get your eyes and your heart off of God. And once he's distracted you, he's already won. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come to offer us life and offer it abundantly. That He is our salvation. That He is our security. And He is our sustainer. God, I pray. I pray that we would lean into your truth. I pray that we would hold fast to your promise. I pray, God, for the person here who's struggling, 
And I pray they wouldn't keep that to themselves. That we could lovingly walk beside them, pointing them to you. And the hope that we have in a God who doesn't just know about us, but knows us individually, intimately. God who loves us and protects us. And in a world where we're hearing competing voices and messaging all the time, pray we'd cling to the truth. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being our security and being our sustainer. And when the enemy comes, give us the strength to instead follow you. We ask Jesus in your name.